If you grab your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, we'll be there in a minute. If you don't have your Bible with you today, you're going to need to look around and find the nearest person who doesn't look scary and try to uh, see if they have one and cuddle up close to them. If they look scary, you chose your seat poorly. Get here early and choose a better one next time. Uh, This morning, I'm going to walk through a number of passages of Scripture. They're there in your outline. If you want to go ahead and put your fingers where they're at, that's fine. I'll try to give you some uh, directions of when we're going to get there. I want you to see this text in your own Bible today. Last week, we uh, started a series entitled, Whatever It Takes. Uh, allowing ourselves to imagine what if we were a part of a church that was committed to doing whatever it takes. How many of you here were here last week? Some were away with family and those kind of things. How many were here last week? Raise your hand real high. All right. You, you remember that we read in, in Mark chapter 2 about the four guys that took their friend, the paralytic man, to see Jesus, and they did whatever it took to get him to Jesus. And when we have that kind of attitude, there's some things that cannot take place. We cannot be controlled by convention, the, the way we've always done it, our tradition. This is just the pattern that we're always in. You cannot be controlled by that and have a whatever-it-takes attitude. We also discover that you can't be hemmed in by circumstances, just the way things happen. And, and it's just a, the lot in life that's dealt to me, and I just can't do it. I can't have a whatever-it-takes attitude if, if that is present in my life. And I also can't be addicted to convenience. Friends, if we were to be a part of a church that's committed to do whatever it takes, it's going to take getting uncomfortable. We're going to have to do some things that are not convenient. We're going to have to intentionally invest ourselves in somebody else. And it's going to take you off your preferred timetable, your preferred comfort zone. And if we're going to be a people who are committed to do whatever it takes, we can't be inhibited by criticism. All throughout Jesus' ministry, there were all kinds of people who had all kinds of things to say about him, and many of them were not positive. And most of his critics were in the religious community, the religious leaders. And if you're going to have a whatever-it-takes attitude, don't expect not to be criticized. If you can't handle that, if you say, I'm going to be inhibited by criticism, then you're answering the question, no, I I cannot do whatever it takes. But if we would have that attitude, here are some things that we would have to have. Concern for others. If I'm going to do whatever it takes to help people get to Jesus, I'm going to have concern for others. I'll have a spirit of cooperation. And most importantly from last week, a single hope, a single belief that actually getting people to Jesus will do something. That without Jesus, they are lost. I want you to imagine with me again, if you were a part of a church committed to doing whatever it takes. I'm going to read what's on the screen. You just read silently. You just watch this. I am part of a church committed to doing whatever it takes. I will disciple someone and allow someone to disciple me. I will be generous and faithful in giving to others. I will share Christ through my words and actions. For to this end, my mind is set My heart is humble and my hands are ready, for I am part of a church committed to doing whatever it takes. If we're going to be a part of a church like that, we're going to have to see that there is an influence that God has given to us on people around us. And we need to leverage that influence wisely. This idea of influence is so important. And I think of the metaphor of of breathing in and breathing out. So much of our 
Christian language when we talk about discipleship and, and growing in Jesus is very self-indulgent. It's self-centered, self-focused. What am I really all about? What spiritual things do I do? Well, I read my Bible and I pray about my needs. And it seems like 90% of our spiritual activity is focused on us. My challenge is let's take this parable of this breathing, inhale and exhale, and let it speak to us about what God may have for us today. I want you to just practice with me right now. I just want you to inhale, and not yet, and you're going to breathe in and just hold it until I tell you to exhale. All right, on your marks, get set, inhale. Now inhale again. Now inhale again if you can. Now hold it. Some people are coughing already, and you can exhale. You know, if, if we see discipleship as this taking in, I'm going to learn more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to pray more. And if it's only taking in this inhale and inhale and inhale, if you would follow my instructions to a T and not breathe out until I told you, most of us would black out. If you just take in air and take in air and take in air and never exhale, you black out. Our very bodies have been created with systems that, that take and give back and forth. I want to suggest this morning that for us to be a church committed to doing whatever it takes, if we're going to follow the example of what's written on our wall from the scripture that says, go and make disciples, not just go tell people about Jesus, not just go make converts, but to go and make disciples, we're going to have to understand that we have influence. And so discipleship is more than just receiving, it's also exhaling and giving what God has entrusted to us. See, if we're not loving, if we're not nurturing, forgiving, empowering, encouraging, mentoring, discipling those around us, we're not exhaling, we'll pass out spiritually. I think sometimes some of us are are frustrated spiritually because we get to a place and we black out and we're not sure why. So we wake up and we start inhaling and inhaling and inhaling and inhaling and then we black out again and we're not sure why. God has said, this cycle has to be broken. There needs to be an exhale. Give out what it is I am pouring into you. Let's look at Paul's challenge together of what he has given to the people he was charged to lead and teach. I think it has a lot for us this morning. Now, these passages of Scripture are going to focus in on a theme in Paul's teaching. Now, these scriptures are not all directed to the same group of people. It's not the same church. It's different letters. It's, it's different sermons. But the same theme is woven through each of these. And I want us to hear as if we were listeners of Paul's sermons today. And I want us to hear a theme that we could not forget if we heard Paul. Make no mistake, Paul was about this theme and this challenge he gave. If you're taking notes, this is your first blank. It's a challenge to live a radical life for God. To live a radical life for God. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 1, reading through verse 2. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. 
This radical life that Paul talks about in all of his teachings and, and wherever he's traveling, he's calling people to a radical change, a radical life. And he starts this phrase by saying, be imitators of God. Now this word imitate or imitator in English, that we go back to the original language, it can also be translated to mimic. And we can begin to see this is where we get our words for a mimeograph machine. Anybody remember that for photocopies? A, a, a mimeograph, an exact copy of this. And, and this is to imitate or to mimic. So to get a heart of discipleship, that's what Paul is talking about today. Uh, my mind is kind of simple, and if, if you don't know me yet, you may not have understood that. If you know me, you'd say, yes, I know you're pretty simple. But uh, it's as if Paul says, here's God, here's Jesus. You imitate, you mimic, you copy him. And this is what discipleship looks like for Paul. I can imagine the challenge that a lot of us walk through and and we begin to look at Jesus and we begin to try to copy and try to draw in our life what we see of him in scripture. I'm not a very good artist, I'm not a very good art student and uh, I I can look at this picture and in first service I, I tried to draw this picture and um, it, it's, it's pretty bad, I don't know if you can see it or not. If you can't see it, you're blessed because uh, it, it's a horrible drawing. If you are short on bad art, you can come up and I'll give it to you. I'll sign it and you can put it on your fridge and you can have some bad art. But it's aggravating to me whenever I'm asked to draw something. I remember being in art class because inevitably when I draw something, the first question that people ask is, what is it? That's never good when you're an artist, in my mind. What, what is it? Well, you know, is, is, is this an alien? Is, is this... Uh, a, a, a woman? Is this a man? Is, is that a nose? Is that a beard? What, what's, what's happening? And I think so many times in our life, in, in this view of discipleship, of, of, of I'm going to try to live out what Paul's saying, I'm going to imitate God, I, I try to do what I see Jesus doing and, and reading about what he's done, and, and when I begin to look at my life, or the, the reflection of my life, it looks nothing like it. And people around are, are encouraged to be like Jesus, they, they say, what, what is with you? But this is not the image of what Paul is giving. When he says, be imitators of God, mimic God, it's, it's more like taking your life and placing it right on top of Jesus, right on top of God, and, and to trace. And, and when the light comes through, you can begin to make an outline of the picture and you can begin to trace Jesus. Uh, I'll remember, never forget, uh, I remember discovering tracing paper when I was in art class. I loved that unit because uh, I loved to draw, but I was no good at it. But when I would take tracing paper and put it over the, the original, the master, uh, I could draw things and people would no longer ask me, what is it? 
they'd say, oh, that's a really good car. That's a really great plane. And, and, and this is the image that comes to my mind when Paul is telling us to be imitators of God. It's, it's to take my life and allow the Holy Spirit, allow God to take his rolling pin through trials and situations and through conviction to thin me out, to squeeze out the Brady and just allow as much of everything to go away and a thin representation of me exists over Christ, and, and it's, it's so much more visible. And then as I begin to trace, I can, I can see it even more clearly. This is a picture of what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians when he says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. How do I love like a disciple should love? Imitate God. How do I live like a disciple should live? Imitate God. Lay your life on top of Jesus. Allow him to thin you out to get less and less of you and more of him, and you can begin to see what's happening. Now let's read on here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. If you have your Bible and, and you're kind of new to the Bible, just turn to your left a few pages. You'll come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. In this verse that we're going to read in just a second, we have some instruction here from Paul. And it's as if the question is, how do I do this? If you're taking notes, the next blank here in letter B is, follow me. Paul is saying, follow me. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Five separate times in Paul's writings, he challenges believers to imitate him as he imitates Christ. I love this. He didn't just say, follow me. He didn't even just say, follow Jesus. But he says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Uh, two of those are very different. If he would say, follow me, then there is pride and arrogance and all kinds of things. And, and who are you that I should follow? Or if he would say, just follow Jesus, it's, well, how do I do that? That's so abstract. And I'm not even sure what Jesus would would say or do it, but when he says, follow me as I follow Christ, this is part of his challenge. This is part of what I believe it means to be a disciple and to be a disciple maker. Then he encouraged others to join the team of Christ followers. Turn with me to Philippians, turn to the right a few pages and you'll find the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 verse 17. He encourages others to join the team of Christ's followers. Listen to his words. Join with others in following my example. So don't just do this by yourself. Don't be a lone ranger. Join with others in following my example. What is my example? Paul has already told us to follow him as he follows Christ. And take note of these, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. He says, the pattern I'm giving you is not what I like. The pattern I'm giving you is not my preferences. It's not my own ideas. Follow the pattern of what? Of me tracing my life around Jesus. So, so you trace your life around Jesus the same way I'm tracing my life around Jesus. And don't just do it by yourself. Do it with, with the, the team of followers around you and, and be a collected and a connected group of disciples, followers, who are all tracing their life around Jesus. 
Let's keep allowing the Apostle Paul to develop this for us. In 1 Timothy 4.12, turn to your right again and you'll find 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. We'll see that he's giving us another piece of the challenge. He's sharing that you and I need to be an example to others. Anybody over here remember 1 Timothy 4.12? Teens? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Do you do? Can you quote it for us? Yes, that one. Perfect. Perfect. This was a theme for the mission trip. Way to go. Give yourself a hand. In 1 Timothy 4.12, when we are to be an example, listen to these words. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your chronological age, because of your spiritual age, because of your experiences or lack thereof, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. I love that Paul exercises this portion of what it means to be a disciple because when he says it's not just you tracing God, you just tracing Jesus and and becoming more like him, inhale, becoming more like him in your actions, inhale, in your attitude, inhale, but you are called to exhale. You have others follow you and, and you begin to say, hey, follow my example, not because I'm all that. But because I'm trying to be as thinned out as I can, and I'm trying to be as transparent as I can, allow Jesus to shine through me. This is what it means to be an example. Now, there's a couple categories of people, I think, when we begin to talk about discipleship. There's those who, when they hear the word disciple or discipleship or to make a disciple, they say, that is not me. I am so far from that. Thoughts come into their mind and they say, who am I to make a disciple? I mean, pastor, I know it's on the wall. I know more importantly, it's in God's word about we should make disciples. Isn't that kind of what we pay you for? I mean, what do you mean? Why should I make a disciple? Well, the gospel tells us that every believer is a carrier of the Great Commission. Every one of us. And we all are responsible to give the reason for the hope that we have. We all are called to make disciples of Jesus, not of ourselves, of Jesus. Well, this principle that we're studying here is so freeing to me. If you're in that category, you say, what do I have to give to disciple somebody? I don't have anything worth giving to disciple somebody. Right there proves that you're ready to disciple somebody. Because you're getting you out of the way. Allow the Holy Spirit to take whatever is causing you to to think down upon yourself. That's not all healthy. Sometimes it's the lies of the enemy that get you to doubt yourself. Sometimes it's it's failures and hurt that other people have placed on you that's not right. Sometimes it is our own mistakes. But, But God begins to take these struggles and challenges and thin us out. And when we place our life over Jesus, people all around us can begin to see that we're tracing him. And I want to encourage you that when we're tracing our life around Jesus, we don't always get it perfect. Sometimes you'll be tracing Jesus in your life, and, and you'll get a, get a line going over here, and I think this looks like Jesus, and then you start going over here, whoops, I missed it. 
And, and that's what the erasure's for. And you come back and you erase it. And there's some smudges. But then you get right back on following in pattern. And some people are so discouraged about making disciples because they say, I've made such a mess of my own picture, such a mess of my piece of paper. There's eraser smudges everywhere. And I want to encourage you today that God often likes to use our eraser marks more even than our first-hand drawing. When someone looks at you tracing Jesus and they see how you respond when you get it wrong, they say, you know what, I get it wrong all the time. Maybe I could follow Jesus that way. If, if it's just to stop and turn and, and, and erase and go back and, and start following him, maybe I too could be a disciple like that. If, if you're in the category of, who me? I can't make a disciple. Who me? I'm not a, a, a disciple. There's encouraging words here. Now, now, there's another camp of people, whenever we talk about discipleship, they, they, they don't say this out loud, most of them, but it's just kind of a smell around them of, they are God's gift to you. They're just pretty excited about themselves. And, and there's a number of reasons why this can happen. And, and we talk about discipleship. They just kind of like hang a shingle out and they say, uh, taking numbers for those who are interested in me discipling you. I will call your number and see if you make the cut. Well, I love this word that comes from Paul. And we begin to see this picture coming together. He said, be imitators of God. And he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Be leery of anybody who says, hey, I want to disciple you. This is how I do it. I want to disciple you. Look at me. I want to disciple you. You need to think just like me. I want to disciple you. You need to talk just like me. I want to disciple you. You need to carry the exact same version and print edition of the Bible as me. I, I, I want to disciple you. You do it just like me. Because what's happening is that person is pretty excited about their own picture. And no matter how well they're tracing God, all they're teaching you to do is copy them. Friends, there's a whole lot of stuff in the Church of America today that is waving banners and flags to follow a man or a woman. But Paul says, hey, there's a better way. Follow me, yes. I'll be Jesus with skin on. But don't look at all the things about me. Look at how I'm tracing Jesus with my life. And so if you fall in that category of you found some tendencies in yourself, here's how you'll know that's you. You love giving advice, but you don't like taking advice. You have everything to say to somebody else of how they've got it wrong and what they need to do spiritually. But when someone asks you what Jesus is teaching you lately, you, you kind of get stumped. And not because you're humbled, but because... You can't remember or you've been taught anything lately. You've known it for a century. The best teachers, the best disciplers are the ones that are still learning. It's the ones that are still growing. It's the ones that say, I have to continue to get thinner and thinner. I need more of him and less of me. And, and if you can begin to get anything out of watching me, how I trace my life after Jesus, then I would love to be a help to you. This is Paul's challenge to them. Let's look at the people's response. Now, again, this isn't the same church. This is the exact same group of people, but we're getting a flyover, an overview of how Paul dealt with people and, and how at least one group of people are responding to this typical theme that Paul would give. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10. It's back left a few pages if you haven't already turned there. You, become, you became imitators of us 
and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. In this passage of scripture, we see that that they followed well. You can jot that down. That's what verse 6 tells us, that they followed well. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. It wasn't just that they followed well. They took the suggestion, the challenge, and they themselves became good examples. Look at verse 7. And so you became a model to all the believers. And it spread beyond their immediate circle of influence. They were known to be people who traced God with their life. And finally, they were living a radical life for God. Look down a chapter in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as word from men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work within you. They weren't excited because they took the franchise and they stamped, Paul all over it and they became just like Paul they took the name Jesus and they said we're going to become just like Jesus they took these words from Paul and said we receive this not just as words from you but words from the Lord well this morning what do we do with all of this stuff a handful of scriptures, maybe more than what our brain can handle, and, and a flyover of Paul's theme and some of his teachings. What do we do with it? Well, one, we need to not be confused about what Paul is saying. Don't misunderstand Paul's challenge. He's not saying, follow me because I got it all together. That would be arrogant. That would be prideful. That would not be in, in line with what Jesus is teaching. But Paul is saying, trace Jesus with your life as I trace Jesus with my life. Now, I'm thankful that Paul didn't just say, just follow Jesus. He knew that people needed a a real-life example with skin on of what it looks like to trace Jesus with your life. So he didn't say, love like Jesus. Love like the Father. He says, love like I do, because I'm loving like I see the Father. You begin to look at the Father and mimic what He is telling you to do. And there is a total difference. We and I can be an encouragement to someone around us when we begin to say, I will trace Jesus with my life. As we end this morning, I have two questions. Who's discipling you? And who are you discipling? This is a question that we ask a lot around our camp, our tribe, our tradition, I wonder if many ever attempt to actually answer it. I'm not going to have you say it out loud or write it down or turn it into me or anything like that. I want you to honestly think, who is it that you are following? Who are you taking your life and laying it on top of and tracing? Are you tracing the American dream? Are you tracing your 
imagination of what success looks like? Are you tracing your parents and just how they did life? Are you tracing what you don't want to do? Some of us, we're following the exact opposite of what happened to us. And I will never have this and I'll never do that because we were so hurt by somebody else. You are following some pattern of something. What is it that you're tracing? What would it be like if you would lay your life on top of Jesus and you say, I want to trace you, Jesus, and you thin me out? And as you're doing that, who is somebody with skin on that you're watching them do the same thing? If you don't know a person, it may be a parent, it may be a pastor, it may be a friend, it may be someone to your left or your right. If you don't know who that is, that's okay. Be honest. Just say, I don't know who it is. Who's discipling me? Over the next number of weeks, we're going to discover that together. I think one roadblock, some of us, we have a hard time identifying who's discipling us or or seeking someone to disciple us because we have a skewed idea of what it means to be discipled. And some people, again, I don't know they say it out loud, but it's just kind of the smell that comes out of them. It's almost, I don't know who's discipling me because I just can't find anybody smarter than me. I just don't know if I found anybody who's wiser than me. <laughs> In my mind, I'm going, okay, well, the first step of discipleship, continue growing, is, is working on pride with you. This is good. We can walk through this. But check this out. In the model that Paul's giving us, you can be discipled by somebody who is not smarter than you. They just are tracing. They're thinner than you. They're just more squished by the Holy Spirit, and they're tracing God in a way. You may know more. You may have had more life experience, but they can disciple you because you're following them as they follow Jesus. And the tenor of their life is Jesus, not their self. In fact, some of us, I would suggest, would do good to get around a new Christian or two who is so vibrant about what God's Word is saying, and and the freshness is there, and we can allow a discipleship to happen because if God's Word says it, I better obey it. And and some of us have come up with a couple of steps in between. Well, God's Word says it, I need to go think about it a little bit. Well, God's Word says it, I need to go see if all of the translations on my shelf say it, and is there one that gives me a loophole? Well, I can be discipled by anybody who is tracing their life after Jesus. And then who are you discipling? Who are you intentionally saying, hey, come close. Come watch as I trace my life after Jesus. You can't do this and be comfortable. Because if you're really going to help lead them, you need to let them see your eraser marks as well as your pencil lines. Some of the best discipleship can happen when you say, you know what? I just ask God to forgive me. I need to ask you to forgive me. Because this is smelling a whole lot more like Jesus than I told you so. Or no, I'm going to keep fighting against it. Uh, I'm not sure how you answer those questions, but as this comes up on the screen, I want to invite you. You're not committing to it, but I want to invite you now to take your listener and now activate your mouth and say this with me. You just read this with me as I read it. I am part of a church All right, let's try again. We're close. We're almost there. I know your ears have been on longer than your mouth, so let's turn your mouth on. Read it with me. I am part of a church committed to doing whatever it takes. I will disciple someone and allow someone to disciple me. I will be faithful and generous in giving to others. I will share Christ through my words and actions. To this end, my mind is set, my heart is humble, And my hands are ready. 
For I am part of a church committed to doing whatever it takes. As we wrap up this morning, I don't feel impressed to call the question with you yet. I feel impressed to plant the seed and let God germinate that and let it grow in your heart. But in your spiritual imagination, begin to wrap your brain around what would it look like if this was true of you and me together. If we would link arms together and say, let's make sure that we do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus. I'm not going to be controlled by convention, how we've always done it. I'm not going to be hemmed in by circumstance. I'm not going to just only do what makes me feel comfortable and addicted to my convenience. I want to do whatever it takes to help somebody get to Jesus. And it's not just leading them to Jesus and dumping them and running away. I want to disciple them. And disciple them doesn't mean, hey, come to this eight-week class and then I stamp you, you're done. I mean, that may be the beginning part. But disciple means, would you join me in a life of, of tracing my life around Jesus? What would that look like? I believe that God wants to do something amazing in us. But we sang a lyric this morning that <laughs> sometimes it's good to prompt our heart. But I wonder if we lie in our singing sometimes. Like when we say, you're more than enough for me. We have to sometimes in our brain add, long as I have a job, long as people treat me right, long as I get my way, you're more than enough. But we, we sang a song today, and it, it reminded me of an attitude of what Jesus wants in us. What if I would do whatever it takes to help the people around me experience the grace of God that I don't deserve that I didn't earn that is deep enough it's wide enough it's thick enough to cover any challenge I have in my life I want to be a part of a group of believers like that it's my prayer that God would stir your heart to do the same Father I pray that you'll take a these massive words, you'll strip from them anything that's not helpful for your advancement of your message. But I pray that you will plant these deep in the hearts of my friends. God, the message you gave Paul that you're giving to us today to be imitators of you. Convict us today, God. Some of us are imitating tradition, past, church, religion, another person. God, as we sang today, change my heart. God, I pray that you'll help us to come to grips with the answer of, are we really open to you changing anything in us? Or do we just want you to change something in the person next to us? Oh God, break us to the place where we want you to change us. And so discipleship looks like a fresh transforming work that you're doing in our heart and we say come trace Jesus as I am still tracing Jesus thank you father for what you're doing in our midst in your name I pray amen and amen thanks for your attention this morning as you take off today would you go in obedience whatever that means for you what God's telling you if he's speaking to you go and obey don't delay on that if you don't have plans for tonight or you're open to changing your plans, join us at 6 o'clock as we gather together and we'll focus on the ninth commandment.
You shall not lie. You shall not bear false witness. I'm uh, forgetting all my other translations. It's the ninth commandment. We're going to talk about that tonight. May God bless you. You're dismissed.